Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast. We are up to episode 10, and today we have the honor of being joined by Molly and Candice, and I will allow themselves to introduce themselves. I'm Candice. Hi. Um, I'm, I'm a mom and a wife. Um, I'm 36. I live in Maryland. I work in IT, um, and I'm, I'm happy to be here and to discuss uh, MPL with, um, with Mindy and Molly today. Yeah, and do you want to let us know your yeah. Patreon name? Because I think a lot of people who whoever oh, read Patreon sorry. would probably know your name. Uh, it's Lee four nine nine two. Yep, and you leave awesome comments. So <laughs> yes. and, 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 thank and, you. It's a sea of awesome commentary, and you know, I said you know prior to you starting the recording, I've you know I've been enjoying the podcast, and I really would love to shout out Peg uh, on uh, one of your previous um, podcasts. Her insights were just. So, you know, earth shattering. I'm just, oh, wow. Oh, wow. She talked about dissecting, you know, the episodes and, and understanding, you know, how the art, the colors made us feel certain things and progress the story. And how, you know, she looked back and said, now, why did I feel this way? You know, and it wasn't necessarily from, from the dialogue. And so, yeah, I'm really just enjoying all the insights from, from the podcast. Yeah. And I love, I love the fact that, like, I can have so many people on because, everybody adds something unique and you know none of us can see the entire picture everyone adds more depth and fleshes out the story more yeah so molly let's hear about you all right i'm molly uh patreon is malls jj um i'm 50 years old 11 year old daughter married i live in new hampshire i work for a visiting nurse association as the operations manager um I've been following Midnight Poppyland for over a year since the uh, version, the first version was up on Webtoons. And I'm a lifelong comics, graphic novel, and manga collector, reader, and um, love anime as well. So I'm kind of a, a nerd in that respect. <laughs> That's cool. So how did you how did you come across Webtoons? I'm assuming you were an early adopter? Yeah, I, I, I started... Uh, following webtoons probably three or four years ago from a recommendation that I saw. I don't even remember where for, to, for a specific story. And then on and off, um, I've followed different webtoons and Midnight Poppyland just popped up in my webtoons feed is like, you may, you may also like, and of course mm-hmm. it was an instant love, not like <laughs> session. <laughs> yeah. And Candid, how did, how did you find Midnight Poppyland and when? Um, well, I, I just came to it, you know, a couple of months ago and I kept seeing that pop up on YouTube of one of the dub episodes where, um, they are at Alice's restaurant, you know, eating sushi, Tora and Poppy are there. And I kept, I kept seeing that and I'm like, okay, let me, let me check this out and see what it's all about. So. Right. What do you guys think of the dubs, by the way? Um, they, you know, I guess it, it did the job. It pulled me in. Um, but after reading so much of the Night Popular, I guess you know how when, you know, they go to make a, a movie of the book, it can never, you know, be what it is in your mind. Right. 
So, you know, I, it's like, I feel like, you know, I hope that one day Midnight Poppy Land, you know, becomes, um, you know, a, a movie or a series or something, you know, um, and I think that it could, you know, go beyond what I've seen. And <laughs> <laughs> it could be much more. I've only seen the dubs of the original Poppy Land, Midnight Poppy Land series. I haven't seen any new, um, like of the reboot, um, but I thought they were a little... Again, it's that inside voice. It's those the voices I um, heard in my head, and also just the way some of the lines were read weren't exactly the same interpretation of those lines. So it's it's kind of weird, right? I mean, I don't want to. I feel bad like putting down other people's creative work, but yeah, I just it was too flat and emotionless for me, especially Tora. Tora right. uh, was very very flat. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, but I appreciate everyone's effort, and you know, it was. Definitely lots of people enjoy it. So that's great. Or lots of people watch it at least. <laughs> More exposure for Lily. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, well, and then if you talked about this um, in the previous podcast, but just how much MB Hall has inspired so many different people creatively, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think you talked about or someone else, I guess you had on talked about not being creative, but this has inspired them to want to draw or whatever. It's inspired me to like, you know, to want to write. I'm like, people are really posting essays, you know, in Google Docs here about this comic. But, right. you know, I find myself writing more than I ever thought I would about a comic. Yeah, I actually yeah. want to want to do another podcast. One thing to slow down. I, po- I really should save it. I want to do it now, but I really should save it for when we, we stop doing th- uh, four a week. <laughs> but I want to do another <laughs> podcast on how MPL has changed people's lives, both in small ways and in big ways, because I can list many, how many ways. <laughs> Um, Well, I think just the community that's grown on Patreon and then I'm not part of the Facebook community, but I know there's one there as well. I think that that it's, it's a very special story that can draw that many people together um, and just basically fangirl over it. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't know very many guys on there on Patreon at least, but I'm sure they're out there. So I actually, you're going to think I'm crazy. I looked through the Facebook membership. Um, this was a, like a week, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I looked at every single profile. I skimmed through it because I was looking to see if there were any males. And I think out of the, the group that has like 2,000, I think I saw one. Wow. <laughs> and the other group, I didn't see any. The, group, the other group has a <laughs> I guess we know the target for Midnight Poppy Land. <laughs> oh. Definitely, you know, it's, you know, it seems to be all women or mostly women in the Patreon, <laughs> but I don't feel like the story line is really super feminine or, you know, right. It, it, to me, it feels like it's something that could really appeal to, you know, the male and female audience, but <laughs> clearly it appears more to, <laughs> appeals to, more to one side. Though. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a heavy emphasis on emotions and, and feelings and relationships. So even though there is like a strong mafia and, you know, murder, not murder, all of it murder, but mystery element, I think that it's much more of a relational drama. Yeah. Ooh, so let's get into the episode. Romance. We're up to episode 10. Yeah, exactly. And in episode 10, we have just, um, we well, it starts out with a recap where Tora has given her his business card. And with this smirk on his face, he says that she asks, what is this? And she, he says, it's the hotline to a lethal weapon. And we discussed this. We actually had just recorded this episode <laughs> earlier today, but we discussed how Torah is this, you know, this is how he sees himself, right? He's, 
he's making a joke, but he's also being realistic and honest. And he's saying he's the hotline, you know, to a secret weapon. Right. Yeah. And I think it goes back. (laughs) I guess I'm going to be bringing up Peg a lot. She made a comment in one of your previous recordings where she's like, Tori doesn't really lie in anything he says. You know, he withholds, you know, information. But again, you know, here he's taunting her, you know, you know, he's making maybe a little bit of joke, but he's also (laughs) not lying. He's not lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And um, in the previous episode, I'm trying to remember. I honestly, I know I, I just recorded it. I really should remember. I forgot who it was, which one, which one was who said that he's pushing her boundaries. And I think it was Rebecca. And he's, um, you know, he's constantly testing her to see how she'll handle what he reveals about himself and how he's, mm-hmm. how she's able to process it and if she's able to accept him. But now you see here, Poppy, she stares at him blankly for one panel. And then in the next panel, zooms in and she says that that's a very cold joke, mister. And, you know, she's right. running and she's looking at him anxiously. So <laughs> he immediately falls back to, well, sorry, you look like the type who'd fall for it was worth a shot. And, you know, he has like this, a little bit of a discrestfallen look on his face mm-hmm. because he realizes he's not willing to hear what he is. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he's a little bit know, afraid of it. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of, it's a cold joke because, you know, I think she, I think already at this point, she knows there's a little bit of truth to it. Right. And having, you know, the banter back and forth, tracing down Mr. Lom, you know, in the restaurant, she's like, you know, she basically almost accuses them of being human traffickers. So she already has an idea of what he is. And right. she's like, you know, don't joke that way. Like, you know, are you really, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Right, but the surface level understanding is that it's a joke because then he says, "Oh, you look like the type who'd fall for it." And now mm-hmm. here's interesting, and where he's there's this panel where he's just still extending the card, right? So he's still extending his his help and kind of himself, right? He's still offering himself up to her and seeing if she'll yeah. take it. And right. it's kind of like she has this extra focus because it's this position of like yeah exactly vulnerability and you know will you take me and then the next panel is shows her taking the card and you know you like it's just these two panels and you think that it's just communicating uh information oh she took his card but it's really communicating much more than that it's communicating that she's allowing people to trust him enough to say you are going to be useful to me and i will need you in the future and i want to have a connection to you so i will take your card so i can maybe contact you right and if you go back to his face as he's extending the card to her, um, you know, back to those 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 micro expressions, you know, talk about him not showing a lot of expression, but he, he does, you know, they're just they're, you got to really, you know, um, search it out. He looks a little sad. There's a little bit of like shadow or whatever under his eye. He's like, yeah, he, he's putting himself out there. And it's just like, you know, he's not sure that she's going to like everything you just said, that she's going to accept that he's, you know. He's like, I, I might get rejected here. You can see it in his face. He looks a little pensive, a little bit sad. I think he's probably very no, um, cautious with who he gives that card to. Mm, yeah. Not exactly. very many people probably have that card. I agree. And it links him directly to the Bolt Human organization, which we see from her, her Google search later. It puts up a respectable front. But then the people who know, which you know, we see there are a lot of people who know that organization, they are immediately terrified. Right. And it's, it's now, you know, the crust is on the card, the crust is on his neck. You know, if she, you know, wasn't sure of what his tattoo meant before, you know, she, 
she can be sure now. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I love this. I love this so much. I really can't even say how much I love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was definitely one of my favorite moments. Yep. So this exchange. Nope. We see. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I want to jump around and talk about uh, other episodes. And I guess I need to stop myself from doing that because <laughs> we see that later on this card has has power. She wields the power of this card in another episode, but I guess I don't know if I should be. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I guess I'll just say that. Okay, that yeah. When you talk about the part linking, you know, and how uh, Molly, when you say he, he, we're sure he doesn't give it out much, you know. Right. The card does have power and Poppy wields it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, She's not anyway, afraid to do it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poppy is brazen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Poppy tells him, well, thanks again for your help. And she walks away, goes in the train station, and Tora is watching after her for for a while. I mean, there's yeah. like three panels of him looking after yeah. her. Right. He's clearly captivated by her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That third panel of just his face uh, is just so much in there. Uh, his expression of, you know, we know he has a mission to find that notebook, but also he's watching her walk away and possibly, I don't know if he's thinking, you know, please call me. <laughs> <laughs> or will I see her again? You know, but we know he, he wants to keep her out of this business that he's now involved in with this finding this notebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I commented, you know, before in the Patreon Tora had so many opportunities from, you know, chapter one to chapter, you know, 10 to grab that, you know, um, her bag and be done right. with this. He didn't have to hurt her. He could have even tossed out her wallet and her phone, you know, to give her what she needed to, you know, get back to, to home to work. Right. You know, we know he's used to dealing with tough situations. You know, he's a career criminal. He could have been done with this at the woods, on the train, when she fell from the tree. Maybe even when she went to the bathroom of Mr. Lom, he could have been, or, you know, right. just snatched her bag at any moment and been done with this, you know, the interaction with her. And, you know, it had been over, but, you know, he's watching her walk away. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a point. And it's interesting because you see here, like, you see his thoughts and he's focusing on the bag, right, when she's walking down and he remembers She's still carrying the same bag around. He remembers that that's the bag there. So I honestly think he even got distracted here enough where he actually forgot, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Because he's right. Um, he's so aloof and he's so prepared normally, but she really throws him off to the extent yeah. that he actually forgets about the bag. Right. And forgets that he's carrying it. Right. Definitely. But, but I think also, you know, it may be in previous times when he was near her where he actually, maybe he remembered the bag he may be subconsciously um, pushing it off because he wants to see her more. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. not to reference too far later, but we do know later that he has been immediately taken. We, you know, we're constantly since the first episode when he saw her and he has this like shocked face when he sees her, we suspect that he's taken with her immediately, but we aren't, we don't have it confirmed until later where we actually do know that he was taken with her immediately. So right. you know, physical reaction when he stumbles down the stairs, like uh, leaving the train station, thinking of Poppy, you know, and, and like episode one, I was I just thinking that myself <laughs> down the stairs it, t- it says everything 
Right. So he's, he's told us, even though we haven't had that like inner monologue, he has told us that he's besotted with Poppy from day one. Yeah. <laughs> from <right>? Absolutely. <laughs> even when, uh, you know, the, when he catches a glimpse of her in the, the restaurant or um, with Mr. Lom and he's walking with his associates to their private meeting and he gives her that kind of... Um, I don't know, that schoolboy, like popular guy. And it's funny because they reference, he references that later. He has that kind of, not a smug look, but, you know, she's bewildered. She's like, I'm seeing him here again. Oh my goodness. You know, at her <laughs> business meeting. And he has that self-satisfied look, like, mm-hmm. like, right. you know, I see you seeing me, you know, yeah, <laughs> I see the effect I'm having on you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cute and it's funny. He's definitely much more, I think, smitten or aware. Not he's not aware, but um, even when he subtly, um, it must have been in the previous chapter, like subtly stubbed out a cigarette when she started coughing. Was that the previous mm-hmm. chapter? Yeah, yeah, it was. He's just aware of wanting to, you know, please her, be enticing her. around her, or you know, attractive to her or something. Yeah. We, yeah, we pointed out last chapter how he, he just told her, he's like, oh, I'll take you home. And like, we're like, with what car, buddy? But he's so gentlemanly, you know, he just wants to help her out and he present honestly, and also to present the best side of himself to her. She, right. she brings out the best side of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I get nuts. Um, I, I made a comment. I got a, a few uh, negative responses for it that, you know, I feel like Poppyus is light, but you know, Lily Dust literally gives that to us, you know, later on. Um, kind of portraying Poppyus as light, but as um, you know, her his savior. Um, and you know, people were just like, you know, that's old, you know, trope. Um, you know, he has to save himself, but mm, I I stand behind it. I think that she, you know, could be a catalyst for him to like move mountains in his life. And it's just I know we're not there yet. <laughs> in the cartoon but you know we're getting there i think that poppy you know already has the potential to be that that special person for him to just yeah want to be a new man yeah i think if anything he's the catalyst she's the going to be the catalyst for him to want to change but it's all going to be on him she'll definitely do anything herself it's just the 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 drive to be with her Right. I I don't see coming to Balthamine headquarters and hoisting Tora onto her shoulders, you know, and carrying him off to to lock him down into, you know, a legitimate life, you know, outside of crime. But she's still she's powerful. Her effect on him, I think, you know, is powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think the key difference is here. I don't I don't think she's changing him. I think that she that he already it's pretty clear from throughout the cartoon, we'll see more as we get into it. He hates the life that he that he leads. He he knows that he hates it. He knows it's bad and he wants to get out of it, but he just doesn't know how. And Poppy is not making him change. He already is good on the inside and wants to get out. He just doesn't know how. And maybe he doesn't have the motivation yet to do it. But she might be the one who's saying, okay, now I now I have to figure this out and now I'm really gonna commit to getting out. Right. Yeah. Giving him a reason, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so while he's standing there in a rapture and still processing and thinking about Poppy, we hear um, a car vroom, vroom and Tora <laughs> is 
he honestly, he's still like, there's another frame of him still looking, which means that he hears it in the background and he's still just looking at Poppy or where she was. And then the car rumbling gets louder and then he finally looks and he thinks, what the hell? And who does he see coming up? He sees this flashy yellow sports car. <laughs> and, you know, this we see this super fan, elegant shoe stepping out. And then, you know, the back, somebody's back with this suit, this beautiful haircut, and blonde hair, and, you know, this shiny watch and just, you know, nice shoulders, nice body. And wiggling this... Uh, keep up <laughs> of unknown origin i feel like behold our k-pop star i can hear right you know, young, lots of young teen girls in the background <laughs> <laughs> that's such a yep. good and that's, a- <laughs> that's that's what i heard in my head when i first seen our scrolls of this panel right <laughs> totally yep and here is our boy quincy we don't Yay. know his name. <laughs> and he We all is, love Quincy. Yep. And there's there's so many things that we can tell about him just from his appearance. So he's well dressed. He clearly has a lot of money. He has this car. He has this sort of re- relationship with Tora where he's bossing him around because he doesn't even say hi. He just says, You drive. And just he actually first extends the keys out and then talks. So he he expects to be followed and to be obeyed. Right quickly and the tone that he says it with you know he doesn't have any he doesn't know please he's still standing confidently with his other arm down at his side he's just nonchalant and he's used to being obeyed and dresses well you know it suits his body yeah he is he's not chopping off the rack either right you know the jacket's fitted yeah tailored and he's got very carefully um, chosen he's very carefully put together yeah, yeah matches his skin tone. He has the green that brings out the green in his eyes, and he's, yeah. um, he has this like tropical themed shirt and this beautiful blonde haircut. He has this diamond um, cross glinting off like one ear, and he also has this scar on his um, left eye. Here it is, the left right. eye. Right. Waiting for the backstory on yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait for that. Right. Yeah, we don't know whether he got it what was he you know one of the things we'll we'll hear later where he was helping somebody so maybe he got it when he was helping somebody did he get it from his father we don't know well we don't know yet that he's his father <laughs> we'll find out who his father is oh and yeah and when you talk about the green you know they're the pops of green and and the shirt you know the pants and his eyes yeah this is someone who is meticulously put together right you know an outfit to accentuate their best features so definitely yeah. absolutely Yep. Okay. So we're going to get to him later. Now we are going back to Poppy and we see, we, you know, see some, some apartment building and near the train and we see giant goldfish publishing. It's cutesy little sign. (laughs) (laughs) And Poppy comes back in and she's looking pretty tired and exhausted and defeated. And then we have this new character who we discover his name is Jacob and he is her coworker. He says, "Hey, pops, had your first business presentation go? Had your very first business presentation." So this is like a big deal for her. And Poppy is sweating and uncomfortable, and was like, it's like and then he has this amazing, wonderful character. I let one of you guys talk about her because she's so cool. 
Molly, you go ahead. At um, our first glimpse of Erdine, who, as it says in the panel, a, and a squishy wild marshmallow appears. <laughs> and um, she just uh, grabs Poppy from behind, gives her a big hug of the, you know, glomp. She just, like, and sticks. <laughs> um, and she makes Poppy laugh. And I think that's really kind of telling of who Erdine is. I mean, she seems to be a positive, bright person, cheerful, and obviously um, cares about Poppy. Um, right. And we see this even from the way that she dress reveals some of her personality. She has this right. beautiful dyed like lavender and blue hair and very striking blue eyes. She has black nails and she's wearing, she has this tattoo across her ta- her chest. Um, it looks like a ma- mandala or something. Some mm-hmm. like spiritual symbol. And she's wearing this, you know, open crop top. So she's looks like a very, like a free spirited, independent minded, hippie, spiritual kind of person. And just like a really cool person. Yeah. Yeah. I see her teaching a yoga class right. on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I crack up because um, every time I've read this episode, I think to myself, not appropriate office attire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, it's the new, you know, if you watch BuzzFeed or, right. you know, um, and you see how it's just anything goes. It's the new, it's about, you know, your skill and that. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, it's, it's the new, I used to work for a couple of hippies and our dress code was there is no dress code. <laughs> we could wear flip-flops and shorts. So I totally get it. But it's just, I just thought it was really funny. That skimpy top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's. Well, she <laughs> it looks like she that, just got yeah. back from the club. <laughs> yeah. I guess she has to show off that tattoo. Right, right. But she's just, um, and she's beautiful. I think that's one thing, is that it's just, she's very gorgeous. And I think, um, you know, in a common trope in some of these webtoons and things like that, is a girl like that would be a rival or a potential rival. But we just don't get that at all with Erdine. She's just, I mean, from what we know about her so far, um, she obviously... Uh, is there, you know, to cheer up Poppy, she recognizes right away that she's had a tough day. Right. She asks yeah. her, you know, uh, you're sweaty, you look like you've been on a treadmill, did you finally get that gym membership I've been telling you about? What's the dark eye under eye circles? You know, do you need some concealer? She wants to help her. And, yeah, she's concerned about her. Yeah. I I wish I had coworkers like me. I know. Who <laughs> <laughs> were so in tune, you know, with, with my mood and my feelings and just, you know, so- <laughs> What can I do to help you know, get you through this day? I think we have the introduction of poppies, not just her coworkers, not just her social network, but you know, I guess we 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 all have more insight to to know more about these two, you know, later. But this is like the support network that she has right. in the city, right? They show up, yeah. Which is thank goodness she has yeah. uh, somebody like Erdine in the city because, as we know, Poppy's new to the city, and and so it's. Comforting to know she has a friend like this. Yeah. So Poppy is not really interested in talking about it. She said, long as so let's not talk about it for now. And now Jacob utters the line that has all the fans <laughs> reprimanding him forever. They have not let him down. This poor guy is the only negative thing he's ever said. And the entire fandom now chastises him forever. He says, Oh, <laughs> gym membership for Pops? Why? Has she been packing on the pounds lately? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 
Jacob redeems himself, though. So <laughs> I think Jacob's a, an essentially nice guy. He just made one slightly off, you know, right. comment, which right. is very normal, like among friends. Uh, I mean, I don't know about your relationship with your friends, but me and my friends tease each other nonstop. We just don't stop. We say the worst things to each other. So, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> quite benign. But but yes, we have many people who are now team not jacob <laughs> Aww, poor jacob <laughs> yeah i love though how we go to the you know next panel how um uh, defensive protective erdine is of, yeah. of poppy you know right that she's just the best kind of you know work work wife <laughs> yeah like he doesn't need to know that even if you have you know right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and we just, you know, she's schooling her in the ways of women, right? She's like, whoops, my bad, my bad. You know, Poppy's like responding to that. And I see the tattoo is actually a lotus flower, the tattoo on her chest. Probably look oh, up right. the symbol of that. Um, I call it the Rihanna tattoo. I don't know what exactly Rihanna has, but it's an, it looks very similar in a, in a similar spot on her under her on her chest <laughs> that's what i immediately thought of when, yeah. when i saw it have you guys um read saucy peggles uh, shing ma and Erdine fan fiction no no yeah oh okay so that chest tattoo definitely plays a part in there as you can imagine <laughs> i'll have to go look it up later <laughs> it's called the uh, shing ma's night out and it's hilarious because it focuses on Shing Ma, and she, when she first posted this, she was like, oh, you know, it's about Shing Ma and Erdine, and somebody else wrote, she's like, oh my god, you found my ship, this is my ship, it's just a random, obscure ship, and you have it too. I was like, what? <laughs> somebody else even remembered yeah. Shing Ma and paired him together with Erdine? It's hilarious. That's awesome. Wow. I love it. Yeah, it's a really good, it's a really good fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> funny how many tangents we can we can go on i know right and that's the beauty of fan fiction too is just whatever you whatever you desire you can write it (laughs) yeah i actually it's um i had asked on one of the facebook groups this week if um if you had to choose one of the midnight popular characters to be in a romantic relationship with in real life and forgetting forgetting their life circumstances like okay you know maybe you don't want to be with quincy kiss's father's vincent whatever just their personalities who would you want to be with? And I got a lot of, you know, really cool responses. And, but one, one thing somebody said, someone said Shing Ma and she was like, Oh, I want Shing Ma because he seems cool and collected. And he seems to be um, removed from the clan and not like into, not a psychopath like the others. And, and then she also said, you know, he's in finance, so he must be a freak in the sheets. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> she characterized him the, the exact way that Peg from Saucy Tuggles characterized him. And, I was like, did you, oh, did you read the fan fiction? She was like, no. So it was hilarious that they both independently ca- came up with that characterization of Shing Ma, where I see him for like five panels and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what he's like, right? Right. No idea. <laughs> um, so, I love it. <laughs> yes, I, I guess that she, I mean, well, well, I don't know what episode we'll get to Shing Ma in, but I wonder, you know, we'll discuss how much we can actually get out of Shing Ma. And I don't think he's going to play a, a significant role in this cartoon. I think if Lily would read fan fiction, she probably would do it just to as a tribute to her fans. But I, I know she doesn't read the fan fiction. Right. But I think I know that she does, you know, on Patreon, she reads the comments and she definitely has put in things in the comments based on, right. on people's that's comments. Right, that's true. Right. Oh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're that's okay. 
yes. hair braiding. <laughs> hair braiding. <laughs> oh, that's all I'll say. Right? <laughs> yeah. Something to look that, forward that would... to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so she says uh, she's been following these free GTube workout videos for months, with, which I notice is like um, basically the Webtoons non-branding way of saying YouTube. And mm-hmm. I don't see why she shouldn't get a gym membership. And then Poppy is like internally thinking, that's because I can't afford one of my privileged, affluent friends. And, you know, Poppy <laughs> talks a lot about not having money. Um, right. She talks about it. She asks, tells Tora, why would you, you know, you can mug me, but I'm broke. And um, well, well, we'll see it come up a lot. And you know, as, as somebody who, um, you know, I would say I'm obviously better off now than I was when I was 20, but I completely understand the the lack of money part. So right. I'm glad that it's relatable. Yeah. And, you know, this is life. Like we're all real people. We all have financial struggles and finances. It's a huge part of our everyday life. So I just love it how we have some, you know, we have realistic, realistic story here. Right. Yeah, I remember being, you know, in my early 20s and working two and three jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can feel exactly where Poppy's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, and then she's gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then there's this, like, one shot of her, Dean, just, like, one beautiful shot of her. And, you know, it's like, hey, girl, did you wear this to your presentation today? And Poppy's like, yeah, what's wrong? Totally innocently. <laughs> and then Nardine takes it to the next level, right? She's like, technically nothing's wrong with not getting laid for the rest of your life. <laughs> Even though, mind you, she's going to meet with Mr. Lamb, not a date, but okay. Right. <laughs> Pot, Ardine, I just love Poppy's comeback. Yeah, me too. I was about to say the exact same thing, yeah. <laughs> She's so cute and funny here. She's like, her, her, her witty response. Yeah, I'm getting laid. I lay myself down in bed every night. I can see myself saying something like that. <laughs> yeah, Poppy's mm. good with the comebacks. Yeah, and then Jacob says here too, right? You tell her it was a meeting, not a date. We can smell your priorities from miles away, Erdine. And then Erdine says this, and I think, you know, Lily puts in a lot of lines that, like this. Um, I think she has a very healthy sexual understanding. She says, excuse me, it's called being a grown-ass woman with healthy desires. And I know that Lily, especially in the Patreon comments, does talk about about that, you know, not having this shameful attitude about sex. Either way, I, you know, we know that Poppy's um, a virgin and, you know, we know that Torah is not. And she just has this very healthy attitude towards sex. And I appreciate that a lot. Likewise. Yeah. I, I love Erdine's response. Like, you know, right. I'm doing me. We'll talk about this if we want to. <laughs> Yeah, and like you just said, she's like, I won't be shamed for it, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm with it. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, she points out what, you know, um, this is something, like, so supportive of her, right? Last I checked, you were blessed with these gorgeous curves. Why are you covering up, girl, girl, you're only 21, which is also helping us know her age. But she's being super supportive. Right. Would... Yeah, absolutely. She recognizes, you know, how lovely Poppy is. And, you know, Poppy is curvy. And I think a lot of the fans appreciate that. And um, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly, now I look myself in the mirror, I'm like, hmm, I've got a waist like Poppy's got a waist. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. And I yeah, love um, I- Jacob there, you know, got to ask for consent before you grab her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
funny. He's such a funny guy. Yeah. He's cute. He's just, he he's reminds cute. me of Gaio, which we haven't been introduced to yet, but well, we have sort of, but not that much. But like this, um, you know, mild mannered, cutesy guy, the friend, like kind of like beta, just a really cute guy. Right. Non threatening. And, <laughs> and then his joke also has, I think, some myself and some other Patreons, uh, you know, questioning. Um, Erdine's uh, sexuality, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a little truth in that in that job there, right? right. Maybe we'll see if that you know is included later. Mm-hmm. Right, she doesn't seem to be interested in Poppy sexually, but um, but yeah, that could be that she is um, lesbian or bi. Yeah, yeah, or or maybe she's just hypersexual also and just like <laughs> thinks about everybody in a sexual way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also love um, I love the next panel where Poppy just kind of shuts everything down. She's she's got that no nose face. She's really tired. Yeah, and she's, she's able been... to express that and ask for what she wants, right? I've had right. a long day to express my face, please. Erdine, you know, looks sad, right? She looks at her with some sympathy. And and then she's like, you know, she right away is like, well, we were going to have to get coffee anyway, which I wonder if they actually were out to get coffee or if she just decided that, you know, okay, time to get coffee now. We got to give Pops her space. Right. And Jacob, Jacob's hilarious. Jacob's like, want to come along, Pops? He totally didn't get it. She's like, <laughs> she's totally missing her, her direct line. <laughs> yeah, his next line, up indoors all day isn't healthy. Well, she's been out all day long. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, did he not realize she just walked into the office? Right. <laughs> And he's trying to be nice, right? He's like, what do you feel like having caramel latte? He's like being a sweet, a nice guy. And then Pablo's yeah. like, I feel like having some personal space. <laughs> I think this also speaks to, you know, their their office dynamic. How, you know, she kind of just snapped at them. And they're still responding, even though Jacob's a little clueless to, you know, what she's feeling in the moment. Right. They're still responding. Like, oh, you know, let's take care of you. You, you know, come with us. Or, you know, can we get you something? You know, so I think there's a lot of, you know positive vibes yeah definitely <laughs> even still in this lighthearted moment yeah i think they have yeah, a lot of fun together mm-hmm. yeah it's very sweet to hear their banter so now we have this um plot tidbit where they're heading out and then jacob says hey did you hear the news another politician was arrested after some anonymous tip-off and you see this image this dark image of somebody being this business person well this politician being let off by police people and Erdean says his name is Trevino. He had it coming for him, that corrupted, power-hungry scum. And, and then he references his connections to the mafia. And Jacob says that they should start covering those topics in their magazine soon because the, all these leaked scandals are showing up everywhere, and man, do they sell. And this is... I think, sorry. Um, Mindy, I think this is a pivotal... I think this is a very important statement right here where he's saying... Uh, we should start covering these topics in our magazine. Now, I, I haven't heard you guys, but maybe you have, speak to this that much in the podcast. I think no. he's, you know, he's foreshadowing something for us, giving us, you know, a real, you know, uh, you'll use Molly's word as a nugget right there that that, you know, that type of um, news publication, that TMZ level, whatever, right. they're not beyond it. <laughs> right. It's on the table there at their publishing company. <laughs> I think there's references that, this isn't exactly like, you know, Newsweek or Time magazine. <laughs> More yeah. of a gossip rag or sort of um, like, well, guess- like people or I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Um, but definitely 
they would definitely sell papers. Well, I, it seems like, you know, they, they, they traffic in multiple types of things. So, you know, Poppy is, you know, trying to, you know, uh, get this project with Mr. Lom. I think that's not anything, you know, kind of People magazine related. Right. I'll obviously publish a couple of published different things. So you know, it's not just one. Right. True. Yeah. yeah. But Good we point. know the kind of books that, you know, the author that they're going to be trying to get. We know the kind of books that author writes. So that right. is more like People magazine. So maybe it's still not that highbrow. Right. But it's still, that's a different, if they collab with him, that would be a different type of thing, you know, a romance novel versus, you know, trashy magazine versus, you know, memoir or whatever she'd be doing with Mr. Long. Right. You know, I guess they have lots of facets, I guess, different to their to their publishing company, the kind of things they're trafficking in. Or... I still want to know how the filet mignon tart story is going to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's also really different, too. <laughs> sort of a, a foodie article. Right. There, so, yeah, kind of all over the place, what they publish seems like yeah <laughs> cool okay and now here we also have right i'm not complaining but i'm dying to know the source bum bum right. and we are also dying to know the source so here's something we you know we we kind of discussed this also we we know about goliath right we know that he sold Torah that Torah out and one thing it's very possible that goliath is the source of this of these leaks and right. we also we're, we're going to be introduced literally right now to a possible possible sources. So here, right, we cut to this seedy looking area. And it's um it's a store, it's called Waffles, best in town. And it uh, doesn't look like in the state of best repair. Like there's this it's dark, which you know is an indication right away of dark things. And there's like this little bit of some dirtyish fence and and you know here we have somebody saying, hurry up, got to work, we need to pack everything back tonight. And then somebody responding in a really rude way. Yeah, yeah, just shut the hell up, stupid hag. I mean, mm. very disrespectful. And now he says, and then the person responds, don't talk to your mother like that. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're so smart, why don't you get a house and a job of your own? This is, I mean, now we find out that he's talking to his mom like that, which is terrible. And clearly this person is at the age where he should be able to get a job and house of his own. And he, and he isn't because he's incapable of doing that. So we, from one panel, right, we instantly see this, unhealthy dynamic between a mother and a deadbeat son right world's worst son mm-hmm. <laughs> world's most disrespectful son <laughs> yeah and then you know we see we we see the person and he's again totally insulting her again whatever stupid old lady you want to talk so he here he is he's got green hair he's got the chain around his uh neck and his his wrist he's wearing um a shirt that says urban and I think he has uh, lots of earrings. And then we see him and he looks just like a really decimated person. You know, he bends mm. under his eyes. His cheekbones are hollowed out. He has some scruffy beard. And he says, you know, I could have been down at Arrow Street having fun. There's a strip show event at Club Miracle tonight, which we're going to be seeing later. And again, Arrow Street, right? We know that Arrow Street is the dangerous street of, in town. Right. And, yeah, yeah, and um, I'll let you guys talk about so it. dangerous that the police don't even go there, <laughs> right? And this guy looks ten times worse than the guy that tried to pick up Poppy in the police station. Pretty right. scary. Yeah, no redeeming qualities about him, you know, yeah. <laughs> at all. 
<laughs> from you know the second he's on the scene of how he's treating his mom and yeah we see where his priorities are you know he has to get things taken care of so he can get to the strip show <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't mm. seem like he has anything going on in his life no nope. <laughs> and the person that he's into is actually somebody that we're going to be introduced to later he is into he wants to see this performance of his precious pink-haired goddess candy baby and he you know we see a picture of her she's pink and precious she has this um this necklace of skulls around her neck which i just noticed now and we can recognize her she's going to come up a little bit later but we also could recognize her because it seems that she's in the picture of vincent's 50th birthday party and um on our era street where inspector lane sees that picture Tora's in the middle with this pink-haired girl talking to him so we're right. pretty sure that's going to be right So um, he says, he tells us that he's only here because the old lady said to go through the boxes, put the valuables away. And he he wants to keep any valuables for himself because he wants to um, pawn it so he can get high for the weekend. Right. So bad. He's addicted to drugs. And, um, you know, he's just, he's only willing to help her because he just wants to find something. But he definitely right. does find something. I'll let you yeah. guys talk about what he finds. So we see him sifting through a box and um, going through the contents of a box. And first thing he pulls out is an envelope with a photo in it. Um, And he says, who the hell are these kids? And I think this is um, a photo that has had a lot of discussion about who's in the photo, who's in the background of the photo, what's going on. Um, So really interesting um, sort of mystery about the photo and it says Aries Street Kings um, at the bottom yeah. written in marker and, I- and so <laughs> some of the uh, discussions about this photo you know we, I think we all agree or think that you know the, the blue hair is Goliath you know the tattoo on his hand matches to a you know a later picture of uh, Goliath you know gambling um, and you know the kid with blonde hair, we assume is Quincy. And uh, we have a flashback. As well. Same style of clothes. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, you know, someone in the background leaning over, helping a little girl who, you know, seems to have fallen and, you know, maybe scuffed her knee. And, you know, we're all assuming that's Torah. We're, we're seeing, you know, an example of his heart even back then as a teenager. Uh, and then uh, there's something else later that I said, uh, too, and what this, this guy picks up one right away where he's like, you know, uh, these punks are probably, you know, dead or, or doing time. And, you know, that's probably true. Right. Uh, something later on where, you know, he's like, you know, he's no longer in touch, you know, with his friends from this time. And uh, yeah, they're, that's probably exactly true. And there's right. a lot of theories that that little girl might be Poppy, mm-hmm. which I haven't fully bought into. Um, I think that would be like just so coincidental. Um but it very well could be. I think this is where my um, experience with reading too many manga and watching too much anime is that the school uniform she's wearing, if this is sort of a Jap- Japan equivalent type of um, fictional country, she would be in middle school with that type of uniform. The sailor uniform is a middle school uniform, typically. Um, but, and I know they're like, I think Tora's 26, Poppy's 21. Um, yeah, they're five years apart. It could be. I mean, just looking at these guys, they look like they're maybe 16. 
17. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them's driving, um, although, you know, not necessarily legally. <laughs> right. Um, so it does, it does make you wonder the age difference there could, it very well could be Poppy, but I, I'm, I'm on the fence with that theory. Mm. Right. And there's a couple of reasons that we have to think it's Poppy, which we're going to be introduced to later, but basically the white van and then the way that he looks in this photo, we definitely know it's Torah because we see um, we see other flashbacks of him later looking like that with that hairstyle and hair color. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be Torah. Which <laughs> yeah, isn't insightful to who he is. He's a kind person, ultimately. Right. Everyone else is just, you know, taking a group photo. They don't even notice the girl and he's there helping her. Right. One of them, you know, has his head, you know, cocked back. You know, you can see he's yelling at Tora, like, come here, get in the photo. Right. I wonder if he's saying, like, don't worry about that stupid girl. <laughs> you know, just come here and take the picture. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm imposing a lot onto that. But... You're probably right, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. They are not worried about her. Right. Yeah. Or they didn't even notice her. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this guy, right, this is... um. Clearly, like these kinds of photos are usually very important to people, a lot of nostalgia, the people they used to hang out with their friends. And what does this guy do? He totally disregards it, tosses it, trash. Memories, yeah. friendships, they don't matter to this person. Right. Well, you know, he can't get high off a photo. He can't pawn that for any money. No. So. Yeah. And he throws more stuff, you know, so there's like some kind of some kind of uh, pants or something and then sunglasses. And then he says this last one's a DVD, better be good. And he's like, oh, even if some AV video, I'll take it, right? He's desperate. Like, he's, ugh, he doesn't need much to get him going, right? He's just like, right. doesn't have a life of productivity where he's willing to sit around and watch even an AV video because he has nothing better to do. And then he notices something written on the top. And yeah. Modi Suzuki. Date and time recording is August 5th, 2000, whenever. Location, 66 Airy Street. Yeah. So we know, you know, this recording is going on in the hotbed of, you know, uh, Crime Central. Right. <laughs> and I actually noticed, this is something I noticed now, um, this is very well organized. Whoever, you know, put this sticker on was methodical and organized and um, you know, put in essential information. This wasn't just done haphazardly. Whoever did this was intelligent. Right. Yeah. He was spinning his web, I guess, from the beginning and his climb up. Cataloging <laughs> his um, incriminating evidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he had a plan for his rise to, uh, to the top. Right. Uh, I guess right. We'll, we'll wait a moment to say who that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he says, hey, Moto Suzuki, isn't this some hotshot politician? And then what was he doing down in an Air Street warehouse? So this this bum is smart enough to realize that, I guess. And right. he says, hey, mom, I got a question for you. You know, who does this belong to? It's a bunch of jackets and other stuff. And the mother says, oh, I remember it belonged to a young man who used to work here as a waiter years ago. He had a cushy job and he left. He used to drop by occasionally, not anymore. Which is, by the way, to me, it shows that this person has a heart, right? He after, Even after he got the job, he was still connected to his old job and used to stop by. And then he, she says, she, she says nice things about him. He was a shorty, but he was a friendly, nice kid. Why can't you be more like him? And I, I like this a lot because to me, it shows that Goliath, well, that this person <laughs> is, um, <laughs> is a good person because, you know, we know that Torah has had, had this very close friendship with him and that, you know, when he was in danger, he called him 
So I'd right. like to think, I'm very curious about, you know, I'm sure he'll come up again and resurface, but it looks like Goliath has a good redeeming quality in within him. I'm very curious to see what he's like. Right. Yeah. We can see some, some similarities here between, you know, this lady and, and the person who's about to be named and, um, and between uh, Tora and Alice who mm-hmm. I guess uh, on the scene later, you know, mm-hmm. they have some links to some, to some positive things in their past, to some grandmother-like figures. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And he doesn't appreciate this at all. He's like, cut the crap. I'm asking for his name, dumbass. Oh, my God. What a person. And his right. mom yeah. gets angry vein. She says, you little punk. But then he just gives her this death glare. Doesn't say anything. Yeah. And she capitulates. She she feels intimidated by her own son. Right. Which is really sad. Yeah. That to me, that says his looks at violence is on the table. It's a possibility. Right. And that is just the worst, worst thing you could think of a son doing to his mom, you know, yeah. laying his hands on her. But it was like, it, it was a possibility in this moment. Yeah, he's pretty scary and, you know, definitely afraid. Mm. Right. And then she's trying to remember his name. He has a strange, you know, some, some strange gang name you punks love to give yourself David or something. And no, nope. it's, it's so funny to me, Mindy. Sorry that you know she says a strange gang name, and then she says David. David. <laughs> and I think you know of it biblically, right? You know? <laughs> I'm like, what's your thought of, of a gang name? You know, I know where she said it, but yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. David, like mm-hmm. one of the most common sort of English names out there, biblical names, just <laughs> not a thug name. <laughs> <laughs> Or not to us. Right. <laughs> and then she says his name. His name is Goliath. Now, obviously, like, I'm going to talk a bit about Goliath, right? Well, we know that Goliath was the giant in, he was um, from the Philistines, and the Philistines were waging war with the Israelites. And he was this giant that the Philistines had that everybody was afraid of. And he would go out every day and he would curse God to the Israelite camp. And nobody was able nobody was um courageous enough to battle against him until you know king david uh, well he wasn't king yet but this little 17 year old teenage david who was small who wasn't a trained warrior goes and battles against him but goliath was this you know tremendous giant who was disrespectful and just this uh you know confident in himself and brash and knew that he could get away with it and he he understood that everybody was intimidated by him so the fact that goliath chose this name shows a lot about his his aspirations Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then, you know, and yeah, his aspirations. And then, you know, so Goliath was taken down, you know, with a stone by David. Right. You know, <laughs> in his eyes. And yeah, and then it could be, you know, a little bit of, um, uh, of, you know, foreshadowing here that, you know, Goliath was taken down, but this character Goliath is working to, to take down a giant of his own and we come to find out later so yeah it's it's really cool that you bring up that biblical uh context absolutely uh, that's such a great connection Uh, so yeah i'm I'm jewish and this is we learn in Wellington school like we learn all of the bible and um the book of samuel which is one and two which is where the the whole david story takes place that was literally my favorite book ever ever since we learned in sixth grade i fell in love with king david and and saul and jonathan and i I, I regularly reread it because it's so dramatic. If, if you're going to talk about webtoons, I honestly, this, that's like the same level of drama and, and romance and passion and emotions that's all in, in the book of Samuel. So, I mean, I just, I could sit there and cry when I read it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> yes. There's so many parallels in great literature from, you know, I think as what Christians and, and Jews and uh, Muslims, you know, we all believe in the first uh, few books of the Bible or in Abraham. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect if I'm, you know, mis- misstating anything here, <laughs> but I feel like there are so many parallels in great literature from, you know, the Bible. When I look at, you know, the idea of Superman and, you know, Jesus, the savior from the world, someone came to just, you know, save us, save us from ourselves. They're mm-hmm. just, you know, there are tons of, of parallels that I think, you know, took inspiration from. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, some of the greatest stories are from the Old Testament, um, yeah. you know, that carry through in, in all kinds of literature and yeah. the themes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason that, you know, people preserve these stories is because they're so, they're so in tune to human nature and they're right. so good. And they speak to us so much. That's why we, we pass them on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so Goliath, right. She confirms that's right. Short kid with blue hair. And then he, the, the punk is, you know, he, he's eyes wide in and he has a sweat mark and he says, Goliath. And my screen is frozen, so I can't scroll. So you'll have to go on to the next one. <laughs> uh, she says, Goliath, that's right. Short kid with blue hair. Goliath. That Goliath? But um, oh, his, his heart is starting to beat as he's having, you know, a realization. Uh, so used to work here as a waiter? No way. And then we get a glimpse of uh, Goliath's hand with the Asa tattoo. Um, he's, you know, he's at a, like a craps table gambling and then we get, you know, a shot of his chest, you know, a gaudy gold necklace in his mouth uh, and a bit of a dragon tattoo on his chest exposed, you know, through his open shirt. And then he's like, that guy. And then we get a, um, it's like it pans out and we get a, a more of a view of Goliath at the table of two women on his shoulders. And, you know, he has lots of chips in front of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's winning. <laughs> is a legend. Is a the next uh, thought bubble and that's the end right <laughs> his stance is very confident and very self-assured and you see right. even though he's not a big person right he's not tall and broad like goliath he seems like a pretty small petite kind of person and even his arms right so he has muscles right but they're still you know goliath size and that's obviously the irony right goliath was known to be a giant and he gave himself a name that is again aspirational he wants to be a giant he isn't a giant but in right. character and temperament, he probably does have that power. Yeah, I guess with choosing his clan name, it's like he's he's dressing for the job he wants, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And it'd be the same of Toro, you know, the tiger, you know, they're you know, they're calling out how they want to be viewed in the world. And yeah. You know. That's interesting. I wonder how Tora got his name right, if he chose it himself or not. Not sure. Mm-hmm. Didn't he when mm-hmm. Vincent Vincent does call him Tora, I'm assuming, right? When he's he does. We don't. I guess we don't really know is Torah his street name or his real name. I don't think that's. I think it's definitely his his street name. Yeah, um, Tiger. <laughs> I don't see anyone. Well, actually, I guess I shouldn't go there. We have all kinds of names in the world, like Apple and right. <laughs> these celebrities and their kids. So who knows? But I think it's a name he's chosen for himself, in my personal opinion, and it's not his given name. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I always joke we um so like I grew up ultra orthodox Jewish and like so a very very conservative culture but I joke how all of our names they sound like major like hippie names because my father's name is Shalom Chaim which means peace life my mother's name is Sephora Yehudi which means Jewish bird and then the animal names are very very common 
Benyamin, Zev, Dov, Aryeh, which means bear, wolf, um, lion, are like they're all they're so common and they're the most conservative religious names, but they sound like these free love hippie spiritual names. <laughs> I mean, it's like them, but they just they've just become part of the, the traditional names. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you okay? You just made me think of something I watched on Netflix called Unorthodox. Have you seen that that uh, movie? Um, it's about a girl who's yeah, leaving yeah. the Jewish community and goes to Germany. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I could talk for ages and ages about this because this is a huge part okay. of my life story. I grew up ultra orthodox. I'm not ultra orthodox anymore. I'm still orthodox. I, I actually one of the things I've done in my life was I founded this organization to help people who go from being ultra orthodox to just being like regular Orthodox. And I, I worked on that for a couple of years. It was a major part of my life. And then, um, yeah, it's a huge thing for me because like for me, you know, going to college period and now I'm doing an MBA, getting higher education, marrying my husband. I totally rebuilding as my family and marrying my husband. My husband is a convert to Judaism. He's not ultra Orthodox. My, I come from a rabbinic family. My family expected me to marry another ultra Orthodox guy from a rabbinic family. So huge, huge part of my life story. And yes, so I'm very, very aware of all this, uh, you know, the literature that that is um, people leaving leaving the community of origin. Yeah, so I know that it's a huge part of my life. I think that's really brave when anyone steps out from, you know, the only thing they've known. I mean, I'm not making assumptions on, you know, what you knew, but <laughs> and and just kind of steps out, you know, in a hope and a prayer or whatever. There's that support network, which I feel like, you know, happened in this series on uh, on unorthodox and just you know it kind of just bets on themselves they're like you know i'm gonna make it i'm gonna figure out a way i don't even know how to navigate the world outside of what i've been raised in but that's just the bravest type of individual to me right. so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. we're actually so i haven't watched that series but i do I actually know i know who the person is talking about and like i have people who went to the same school with her so my friends went to school with her so it's it's you know it's just hilarious very very small world like we all know each other and um you know, yes, whatever. <laughs> um, well, you know, we but... can tie it back to Poppy too, though. Poppy comes to the big city as a 21-year-old, you know, alone, you know, without a network, without, you know, money. And, you know, she's kind of, she's gotten this great job, but, you know, she's kind of out there without a net, you know, leaving the country, coming to the big city. And she's just, she's betting on herself. And, right. You know. And she doesn't have a big family. As far as we know, I mean, her family's very small. She doesn't have any support or family in the city. She's definitely a brave girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about, let's do some final like summations of like the characters or the themes that we see so far, even though we're, we're still only up to episode 10, which is not a lot, but there's, there's a lot that we can say. <laughs> like, um, Oh, go ahead, Candace. Right, go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, you know, Candace and I were talking um, prior to starting to record of just sort of how this episode is sort of pivotal in a way because it's um, sort of establishing. So we've introduced a few new characters with um, Quincy, Erdine, Jacob, and then all, and then just this uh, introducing more plot, probably related to that notebook that Tora needs to get back from Poppy. Who Goliath is a little bit more mystery, um, so I think this is a great episode that's sort of like delving more into the, the gang criminal aspect of the story. Right, and it still contains a lot of emotions as well. 
you know, right. their his relationship with Poppy and his, his fear of being rejected and his self-perceptions of himself and Poppy's timidity, Poppy's, you know, what she means to him. Yeah. So it's really everything here. Right. But we're also, you know, seeing just how I know that's, you know, more so episode nine, but just, you know, this chase they've come off of, of how determined and fearless Poppy is. Right. <laughs> Laser focus. <laughs> Just like by any means necessary, I'm gonna, you know, land this, you know, right, this presentation, and you know, get you know these funds for our publishing company or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I remember I don't really read the webtoon comic comments at much at all because they're mostly teenagers and not very, you know, insightful. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh my gosh, no. I like to be not very profound. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I remember there was a comment on the episode where Tora kept falling from the tree. Somebody wrote um, oh, another trope girl that needs rescuing. And it made me so mad. <laughs> I never replied to somebody's comment before, but I replied to that one. And I said, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, keep, <laughs> keep reading. This girl is, she's all that. She really is. She's something else. I don't know. And I can't imagine at 21 living on my own, you know, she's like, she spent her savings, you know, to get that apartment and to come, you know, I guess, you know, Naren would be like our New York city going to the place where the opportunity is, you know, right. to get a good job. And, you know, she lands being like the, I don't know, assistant editor right out of college. Yeah. And even for us, you know, 21 finishing, I don't know if like in you know Asian culture, 21 would be considered finishing college early, but here, you know, it would be in America. So right. it's like, you know, she's, she's advanced, you know, quickly. So she has, you know, she's very mature, has a lot going on for her, you know, at a very young age at 21. Like I said, I was working multiple crap jobs. You know, and even just from the very first episode where she catches jewelry, her ex cheating on her. I mean, she just walks right out the door, takes back her scooter and heads. You know, I mean, she's really um, mature for her age because I think a lot of girls at that age would struggle with walking out. um, You know, and just that's it. I'm done. And take that scooter that she gave to him. She has no qualms about just. All right. I'm taking that back. <laughs> um, you know, she's got that. She has the ability to control her emotions and push them aside until later. Right. She wants to wants to open them up and examine them. Exactly. Well, she has she has stuff to lose. She has a lot going on in her life for someone, you know, so young. And even as she's leaving, you know, seeing her boyfriend, you know, cheating on her that she's been with for years. Um uh, having an accident, you know, stumbling onto something potentially, you know, horrific, gruesome, you know, the blood on the shoe. Right. You know, she's trying to deny it. And then she's like, got to get back to work. Yeah. I can squeeze in a few more hours to work on this article. I need to get this article done. <laughs> she's driven. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. That'd be the last thing on my mind. Oh, I can squeeze in a few more hours of work at the office. Not Poppy. Um, no, I'm heading straight home to go to bed. Yeah, she's, oh, I gotta get to work. <laughs> yeah, again. it's it's really she's a character so far that I think you know that we can you know admire. And I don't know, even though you know she's 
she's young i think we can you know aspire to her her drive and just you know right determination and yeah and even her openness her openness you know so far you know we just see you know her allowing Tor to help her chase down Miss, mr lom and she's not you know sure yet of you know Tor is a good person or a bad person so you know she's open you know i guess that's more of a youthful thing you know right. but yeah, she hasn't totally made up her her determinations about everything in the world and everyone in it, you know. So that can you know that can have pros and cons to it. But, uh... She's definitely embracing life. Yeah, running into it head on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And her world and and Toro's world are constantly being contrasted. You know, she's like you said, right, very driven, academically superior, probably. Dry, you know, going up on the career path, the career ladder. She has a supportive work environment, bright, airy, cheerful. You know, all the supplies are there. They have their desks. They have everything ready for them. And then Torah's work environment where he hangs out with lives and people who are just constantly out to rip each other down and tear each other apart. Just their, the contrast yeah. in their worlds is so different. Yeah. So true, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, you know... Uh, when they begin their, their their hunt for Mr. Lam or, you know, she's like, you know, can't you call them? Aren't they your friends? And he's like, you know, they're my work associates. They are not my friends. Right. So yeah, you, there's, there's a big contrast between, you know, Tora has to, you know, constantly watch his back and Poppy has people who she can snap at and still want to bring her coffee, you know, exactly at the door with hugs. Right. <laughs> right. It's so different. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yep, and that's probably what attracts these two to each other. Well, we know why I think Tora is drawn to Poppy. What do you think at this point draws Poppy to Tora, to the extent that she is being drawn to Tora right now? Hmm. That's a that's a hard question because I don't think she sees him as um, a potential anything other than just a resource. Um, mm-hmm somebody that could possibly help her get to Mr. Lamb, like, or attain a goal of some kind. Um, well, I think now she, you know, I, she wants the picture out of him. Not, I'm not saying that she's trying to use him, but I think she's seeing him as a connection, I guess I should say. Um, she knows in the city, but I don't see her seeing him in a romantic light at all. Mm. But I do think she's already having feelings of attraction. I don't think she's, you know, spinning them into like, oh, I can see myself dating this guy right. or anything for But she definitely is feeling that attraction. I think when, you know, when she's heading into the restaurant with Mr. Lom and, you know, she's describing, you know, the great, you know, patrons here and, you know, and it's like they almost walk into his chest and she gets, you know, really nervous. I think it's not just at seeing this person she's not expecting to run into. Right. She's at the... I think she's like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, I think she, she's not blind to how attractive he is. No, absolutely she's... not. And, and the fact that know she likes his clone from his jacket. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And she also reaches out to touch his hair, right? She's just put it behind right. his. Ooh, oh, oh, that's yeah, that oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. A, that was a really unexpected moment. Yeah. Really kind of, kind of inappropriate, right? <laughs> And I think that's that thing with Poppy that she's just um, having no filter isn't the right way to describe it, but she's just, I guess, open. She's just so open in her reactions 
mm-hmm. honest. She doesn't hold back. She's just doing what she felt in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, oh, there's something else that came to mind when she's, you know, pulling, uh, pushing the hair out of his way. Oh, it's a really gentle and intimate moment as she tucks the hair behind his um, ear. Um, it's like, it seems like she's almost caressing his face as she pulls her, her hand away from his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She definitely has it there trailing for a bit. Yeah. Right. So I guess already there are, there's some lingering. I don't think she said, Hey, you know, I, I'm into this guy. I want to date him. She's, you know, she's not there in her thoughts at all, but I guess there's something maybe kind of primal and just, you know, acting on right. instinct. So, and, and in her, yeah. Interest so far and then yeah i wondered about that about her you know allowing him to kind of drag her down the street as he's chasing his car being towed away and you know how much he's put his hands on her so far and she's not you know instantly pulling away or reacting or you know recalling in fear so i think she's having you know um um a physical reaction to him on some level that says you know i kind of feel comfortable that this person you know if you juxtapose it against her you know encountering that guy in the police station and there's instant mm-hmm. like spidey things in your hairs you know standing up where right. you know that this person is up to no good gotta you know you know avoid them she's she doesn't get that you know when she's right. with them so there's just, something yes yeah, there's an instant trust there yeah and um, i think also if you if you want to go through like intellectually she does if she remembers he did throw her his jacket yesterday yeah. So yeah. that is something that can can let create trust between them, where she right. recognizes he does care, right? And he's saved her from you know falling from a tree. Oh, but she doesn't. Sorry, she doesn't. Well, <laughs> she doesn't well, know that for sure yet. <laughs> but we, yes. <laughs> we don't think she knows that yet. No. <laughs> right, we're giving away some information, but it's okay. I'm I think sorry, I don't. So bad at that. Sorry, <laughs> <to do. laughs> okay, so I think we're we're we've definitely discussed this episode in depth, <laughs> and you know, and done some talking about Poppy and Tora and the relationship in general, and the collision of their two different worlds. And yeah, what do you think, guys? I think are, are we good for this episode? I think so. I appreciate you having me on and, you know, having a chance to, to discuss more Midnight Poppy Land. Can't get enough. <laughs> Same. Thank it you. Was a lot of fun. It was nice to meet you, Candace. I read your comments all the time. Nice to meet you too, Molly. I'll be like, you know, I'll be responding more to you as well. When I- <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much for coming on. It was fantastic. And please do come back anytime. Thanks, Mindy. It was great. Thanks for doing the podcast. I'll be listening. <laughs> yeah, me too. Awesome.